Welcome to the Vision Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and everything happening at Vision, visit us online at visionnwa.com. Lord God. Hey, I want to read to you a scripture, and this scripture is in 2 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 3 here. And this is in the Passion Translation. I don't know about you guys, but I've been getting into the Passion Translation. Man, it's been awesome. Man, it's so good to see everybody here. Glory to God. 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse 3. It says this. It says, Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through his rich, uh, through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. And then verse 4 says, as a result of this, we have given you magnificent, he has given you, excuse me, magnificent promises that are beyond all price. So that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Man, that whole thing was a mouthful, and there's so much in there. But the thing I really want to focus on is that magnificent promises have been given to us. Magnificent promises. These are promises that have amazing value. And all of those have been given to us. And I love the fact that Jesus died for it so that you didn't have to die from it. You know, man, thank you, God. And God had promised, God has, has, has given all of these promises. In fact, you remember back in Genesis, in Genesis 16, when God made a promise to Abram, before, his, before he changed his name to Abraham, his name was Abram. And God made him a promise. And he said, listen, this servant's not going to be your heir, but a, a son from your own body is going to become your heir. And so Abraham was so excited about this promise because up to that point, he didn't have any children. Neither he nor Sarai, before he changed his name, her name to Sarah, they didn't have any kids. And so he thought, a servant in my household is going to become my heir. And so listen to what happened in, in chapter 16 in verse 1. So they get this promise. I'm sure Abraham, Abram went to Sarai and told her about the promise. And then listen to what she says in verse 1. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in the, uh, go be with my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded Sarah's voice. He said, okay, I'll do that for you. So, so here, now Abram, and Sarai had this plan. They had this idea. You know what? God has given us a promise that, that, that man, our, uh, the person that inherits all of this from us, it's going to be our son. And so she tries to figure out in the natural realm, how can we make this happen? Because I'm way past the age of giving birth to a child. And Abraham, 
You know, Abram is, is what, 99 at this time? And, and they're way past the point of having children, right? And so she comes up with this idea. Isn't that sometimes what we try to do in the natural? God gives us promises. He makes a promise to us, and he says, listen, I'll do this for you. I'll give this to you. I'll do this on your behalf. I've made this available to you. And then we try to go and get it in the natural realm. And poor Ishmael, so now Ishmael is born from Hagar, by Hagar. And Ishmael has, it's not his fault. I mean, he's an innocent child. You know, I heard somebody say there's no illegitimate children, only illegitimate parents. You know, because they decided to do that. Anyway, so now they have Ishmael. And it's not his fault, but he's not the promise. That wasn't God's promise plan. What was God's promise plan? It was Isaac, wasn't it? So five chapters later, finally, Sarah, now her name has become Sarah, and finally she believes, and Abraham believed from the very beginning. But finally now, Sarah believes. And so Sarah gives birth to a son in her old age. And now they have Isaac, But here's the difference between Isaac and Ishmael. Both of them were Abraham's sons, but one of them is the son uh, of their, that was their idea. But the other son, Isaac, was the son of the promise. How many times do we as Christians get this idea? You know what? I'm dealing with this issue in my body. I'm going to go and just figure it out naturally. We turn automatically to what we know. We turn to the medicine cabinet. We turn uh, to the doctor. We turn to other ways of getting healed first. I remember when I began to first get a hold of the promises of God and began to thank man, God, you've got all these amazing promises and I'm so thankful that you've given me all these promises. And I began to really learn, especially about healing, that healing was available. So my attitude is, man, if it's available, we should go after it. We should go and believe God for it. I didn't just want a pretty good wife. I wanted an amazing wife. So, man, that's why I went after Nicole. I didn't go after, you know, the, the hand-me-downs. Anyway, I'm sorry. They weren't, they weren't hand-me-downs. <laughs> yeah, did I just say that? Uh, so, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, but I was beginning to learn about the promises of God. The healing was available to us. And I thought, man, this is awesome. Thank you, Lord, for making that available to us. So that means that we can pray whenever sickness attacks our body, whenever we have a problem. And I remember uh, Becca, we had given her some of those Heelys. You guys remember those Heelys, the little shoe with the wheel in the back? They're super dangerous if you're going fast. They're not so dangerous if you're just meandering. But, man, she got on a little, just, a, just enough incline on our neighborhood street that, man, she was gaining speed. And, I mean, she was going faster and faster and faster until a little pebble got in between that little wheel and the healy thing, the hill. And it got stuck in there, wedged, and it stopped her. And what happens? She goes flying frontwards. And she landed on her palm. And I remember this big rock, you know, just gouged her palm And now she couldn't move her arm. So she's holding her arm like this, and she comes in, and, man, she is just screaming. She's in pain, and I don't blame her. And so she's screaming, you know, and and finally, Nicole and I, we get her her, um, calmed down. And, you know, Nicole, she brings, she does what every great mom does, you know, and they go, you go and get a washcloth, and you 
and you put water on it so you can, anyway, clean it and everything. And so we get her calmed down. And so she's laying on the couch here, and finally she's doing this. <laughs> you, know, you know how they are when they finally calm down. They're finally getting a hold of everything. And, I, and so I said, let's pray. We have a promise from God for healing, so why don't we pray first? I heard one guy say, uh, a couple of business people, I remember one time they, they had done everything that they could do on a situation. They couldn't figure it out on their own, and they said, well, the one guy looked at the other and said, I guess all we can do now is pray. The other guy looked at him and said, dear God, has it come to that? You know, I, and I just went, I heard that, and I went, oh, Lord, help us. <laughs> help us. So, so we laid hands on Becca. Now, I have a promise in the word of God, and, it's, and, my, and the promise that I have is that these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That's the first one. Uh, they'll, you know, in my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll, they'll, there's, there's like three others. There's two others. And then the last one is this. <laughs> and you will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They shall recover. And I thought, man, glory to God. Well, Nicole, we had a friend at our house, uh, one of Nicole's friends, and she was, he has, she has like, she was either a nurse in her background or she's, she's a mom too. Moms know things. Moms are like nurses. They're amazing. I don't know how they do that, but they are. And so anyway, so she was a mom and she kept saying, oh, her hand, her, her arm, her hand is broke. Her hand is broken. And she kept saying that. Well, we prayed and Nicole came to me because, you know, she kept saying that. And, and, and Nicole said, you know, what do you think we should do? So I asked the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what should we do? And he said, let her, let her sleep. If she wakes up in the morning and still can't move it, we'll go to the hospital. I wanted to give God an opportunity to work. And so we had already prayed, and she was calmed down. You know, we we wrapped it up, do whatever you do to make sure, you know, so she couldn't move it. And, and she went to bed that night. When she woke up the next morning, she goes, mom, dad, look, full mobility, full, you know, and I just said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, you're so faithful. You're so true to your promises. But I think sometimes we don't exercise the right that we have to pray or to receive the promise that he has made to us. So this morning, you know, in the series that we've been talking about on earth as it is in heaven, I want to talk to you about becoming a good receiver. Look at your neighbor and say, become a good receiver. And then the other person looked back at him and say, you become a good receiver. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to give you quite a bit of scripture today because I just, I was just really feeling it in my heart that I needed to preach from the word today. Isn't that a good idea? <laughs> Phil, we didn't want your opinion anyway. Good. All right. Glory to God. We're on the same page. Galatians 3 verse 29 says this. Now I read the scripture last week, but I just want to repeat it this morning. Verse 29 says, and since, <clears throat> pardon me. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. They're quick back there. They're so quick. Galatians 3, verse 29. <laughs> yeah. And since you've been united 
to Jesus, the Messiah, or Jesus the Christ, you are now Abraham's child. Now remember, Abraham was the one that God gave the promise to, right? So now we're Abraham's child and inherit all, everybody say all, all the promises of the kingdom realm. All the promises of the kingdom realm, they belong to us. So so what are these promises? Who do they belong to? They belong to us. What are the promises of God? Anything that God said in his word, anything that God said, anything that Jesus said, anything that the Holy Spirit said, anything that the Spirit of God said through man who was inspired by him that equates to a promise, we have the right to claim it. We have the right to receive it as ours. And so then the Bible becomes exciting to get to read because as you're reading, you find things that you can receive. It's like, oh man, I didn't know that was in there. That's amazing. That belongs to me. You're kidding me. I have faith to move mountains. Man, thank you, God. It's amazing. It is so good. But here's the question. If these promises are for us, then what's, what prevents us from receiving them? Now with that, go over to Mark chapter 6. I told you I was going to give you some scripture today. Mark chapter 6. All right. Everybody hanging with me? Oh, good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to look at, we're going to look at a situation where Jesus uh, went back to his hometown. And I want to look at this in the light of the fact that the people that were in Nazareth, all these Nazarites, they didn't receive from Jesus. Let's look at the story. Look at verse 1 in chapter 6. It says this. It says, Jesus left that part of the country, and he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. So the homeboy's coming home. Verse 2. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Now, this is something Jesus did on a regular basis. He went into the synagogue, and he taught. And it says that they were amazed, and they asked not him They're looking at each other saying, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. I mean, his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon, they're all here with us. His sisters are here with us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he, could do, he couldn't do any miracles among them, among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. So in this story that we're looking at here, in this account, I want to look at things that prevent people from receiving the promises. Things that prevent people from receiving the, prom- the promises. The very first one that we see in, that, in this account is familiarity. Familiarity. They, and you look in verse 2, when he began to preach in the synagogue, it says that they asked each other, where did Jesus get all of this divine wisdom? Where did this guy that we grew up with, I mean, I played with him. You know, we played hide and seek together. We grew up together. Where all of a sudden did he get all of this wisdom, all of this knowledge, and where did he get the ability to do all of these miracles? How many of you have heard that, that old proverb that familiarity breeds contempt? Like, so basically the definition of that is the more acquainted that we become with a person, the more, uh, 
that we know about them, their shortcoming, their shortcomings, then it's easier to dislike that person. All right. Well, Jesus, notice he doesn't have any shortcomings here. So the only thing that they can find to razz him about is that he's a carpenter. Carpenters aren't supposed to be doing this. Well, let me tell you, let me ask you this. Dan, what are you? What's your business? You're, you're, you own an insurance agency, so you're an insurer. So you don't have any business preaching Jesus at your office, do you? You don't have any business laying hands on people and, and performing, watching God do miracles in their life because you're an insurance agent. I guess I'm out of line. <laughs> Come on, Dan, because Dan's been doing it, man. He was sharing with me some things. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, I mean, it's the same thing. You're a JP. I mean, what business do you have to spread the gospel, to pray for people, to lay hands on the sick? That's what they're saying is Jesus is just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary. We know all of his brothers and his, sister, his sisters. So they became familiar with him. So let me say this. <clears throat> let me put it this way. Um, Sometimes we can become so familiar with church, so familiar with the word of God, so familiar even with signs, miracles, wonders that we lose the zeal and the passion that we once had for Jesus. Okay, let me put it another way. All right, so um, you guys have heard of Google reviews, right? You know, you get reviews on Google. All right, thank you. And, and so Amazon, I was looking for a hand. Nobody raised their hand, and one guy in the back goes, yeah, I'll raise my hand. Uh, Amazon, so you know Amazon. How many of you have not bought, I'll be honest, because this is me, you haven't bought something unless you've read at least three or four of the reviews on, on the product. Yeah, why? Because you want to know what are people experiencing with this product? How does it fit? Is it fit like a true medium, or does it really fit like a small you know, I mean, does it, how, you know, how have people enjoyed this product? And so, okay, so let me say it this way. Uh, so we do the same thing. We, we do the same things, you know, with reviews. We review things, you know, and we look at that. And, and then we, we even go to restaurants, and some of us are foodies, you know. And so you go to the restaurant, and you kind of rate, not, maybe not necessarily even on Google. You may not do a review, but you do a review in your heart on the restaurant, right? How you were served, the quality of the food, quality of the environment, you know, it was all, you might be even be reviewing my message right now. You're going, you know, Pastor Phil, I think he's wearing that gray shirt. He's wore tennis shoes today. I don't know why. And you might be reviewing me. Okay, I'll get off of that one. Let's go to another one. Uh, so, okay, so what about like a movie? You become a movie critic, right? You go and, and, you're, and you're critiquing the movie, the storyline, the director. You know, I mean, so, now people even have their own directors. Some people, you know, they get excited about a movie because so-and-so directed it, right? Right? But sometimes we go to church and we give a church a one out of five star rating. You know, or we, or we go to another church and we give it a four out of five star rating. Man, yeah, yeah, you should go over there. Have you seen their building? Man, their worship was amazing. You know, we're rating, we're rating ministers, you know. Man, yeah, this minister, man, he is, he, he is like 4.7 out of five, man. It was amazing, man. 
it was just, you know, I love. And we talk about these guys, and, and it's all on, it's all about familiarity. And it's, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, let me ask you a question. Let's say that you were asked to speak somewhere. Uh, you were asked to come, you know, a, let's say a church invited you to a conference and they wanted you to speak. Would you get into your Bible to begin to read, to study for the conference? Yeah, right? But is that the only reason that we have to get into our Bible? To study for the conference so that we have something to give. See, that shouldn't be our reason for getting into the Word of God. Our reason for getting into the Word of God should be that we read so that we understand what our promises are, what our position is, what our identity is, what family we belong to, and everything that's available to us so that we can begin to put those things into practice and we can begin to do those things. And how awesome is it to be married, but it's more awesome to put God in the center of your marriage and to begin to focus on him so that your marriage grows like this. And you get closer to one another and you get closer to God in the process. So the first one was familiarity. The second one was offense, right? Let's go back and read that again. They were offended at him. In verse 3, it says, and he's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary. We have all of his brothers here. All of his sisters are with us. And they were deeply offended. Offended. Deeply offended in verse 3. <clears throat> okay, so the Greek word is, it comes from the word scandalize. Scandalous. You know what it means? To entrap, to trip up, stumble, to entice, to sin, to take, to take offense. That's what offense is designed to do in you when it comes, is to trip you up to entrap you, all right? So, but you, but it said, take offense. These guys took offense at Jesus. They were offended. They were deeply offended by what he said, by what he was doing. I, I think just, you know, so, so here's, here's what I want to say about it. Taking offense is a choice. When you're offended, it's a choice. That's something that you choose to be. It's not something that I can put on you or somebody else can put on you. Does that make sense? It's something you choose to be. And see, God wants us to be clear so that there's nothing in the way so that he's able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in us. But if we're offended, it stops him from being able to do the full work that he really wants to do in us and through us. Offense. Offense, and here's what offense led to. Offense led to unbelief. Remember I talked about how it entraps, it ensnares, it entangles. Offense is designed to drag you into doubting, into unbelief, that you don't believe God uh, anymore. Look at, look at verse 3. That's the third one, unbelief. Verse 3 says that they refused to believe in him. Again, offense is a choice. Belief is a choice. But see, our faith should be in God alone. Look at James chapter 1. Turn over there if you have your Bible and you're flipping with me. James chapter 1. 
James chapter 1. Look at verse 6. It says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God. Now, this is when you come before God and you make a request. And it says, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, wouldn't that be a bummer? Man, to be on your knees, to be on your face, and to pray, and to pray, and to pray, and to pray. But this is what doubt and unbelief produces. No answer. Why? Because... We have to believe, and I, and I wondered this morning, I, man, we were singing amazing songs this morning. Man, I, I, and it was about the promises of God. And I said, dear God, don't let this just be a song, but let this be something we believe in our heart, that we daily believe it. But <clears throat> well, I'll get to that in a minute. I want to get a hold of myself or ahead of myself. Get up to, uh, let's turn over to uh, Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. I'll get there. I have an itchy, I have an itchy trigger, trigger finger this morning. Got an amen on that. That's cool. All right. Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8 says, This is why the Holy Spirit says, If only you would listen to his voice this day. Don't make him angry by hardening your hearts. That's doubting. That's being the, way, being the type of person that's waved by the, by, you know, moved by every wave of the sea. Like your ancestors did during the days of their rebellion when they were tested in the wilderness. You remember that God did miracle after miracle after miracle. Remember, he brought them out of Egypt. He did all the miracles in Egypt. And then they got out, they got to the Red Sea and they didn't believe. All of a sudden they said, we're going to die, you know. And God, Moses cried out to God. And what did God say? He said, go forward. Lord, as the Red Sea. Use the staff in your hand. He parted the Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground. Sometimes we get like that. All we see sometimes is the pressure of what's behind us. We see Pharaoh's army. We see our finances closing in. We see this addiction closing in. We see whatever this problem is that's closing in on us. And we try to move forward and we look and we, all we see is a wall. I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. Are you? No. No, man. See, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, faith. So what does it take to become a good receiver? Let's look at two things real quick. I'm going to ask the band, go ahead and head on up. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 2, you remember there was a paralyzed man. And Jesus had come to, uh, come to Capernaum, and all, all these people came uh, to this house that he was in. And there were so many people around the house that they couldn't get in. And so there was these two friends, and they were carrying their friend on a mat. And so they decided, we're going to go up on the roof. They went up on the roof. They, they pulled back the roof, and they let their friend down on a stretcher right in front of Jesus. And when they let him down right in front of Jesus, it says in verse 5 that when Jesus saw the extent of their faith, he saw what they were willing to do for their friend. He said to the paralyzed man, you know, your sins are forgiven you. The paralyzed man was healed. Faith is visible. You can see it. 
you can tell. Faith is what pleases God. Doesn't Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So you have to have faith. You have to be willing to stay in faith. You have to be willing to take a hold of that promise and grab a hold of it and hold to it no matter what happens. No matter what's pressuring you from back here, when you see the Red Sea in front of you, hold on to that staff, the staff of promise that God says that you can use because you're going to make it through this. You're going to get through this. The second one is this, is patience. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence of full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. I'm going to use the word weary as well. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You need both. You need faith and you need patience. It's two sides to the same coin. In James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Isn't that like various trials? You've got the pressure of, of Pharaoh coming this way, and you've got the Red Sea in front of you. It's pushing you. And let me tell you, you squeeze toothpaste, what comes out? Toothpaste, many times the enemy wants to squeeze you because he wants to see what's going to come out of you. Because you're supposed to be wearing the armor of God, Right? You have on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, right? Everything. And, and you're supposed to have your face shield down. Why? Because you're in a battle. You're supposed to be in your suit. And here's what happens. When you speak God's word instead of what you want to say, what your flesh wants to say. Because how many of you know your flesh wants to say some stuff? And most of the time it's no good. But when you say, when you speak by the Spirit of God, when you speak the Word of God, which is why we take the Word of God and we put it in our heart and we put it in our mind, and we don't just memorize it, we make it a part of our life. And then that way when this toothpaste gets squeezed, when we're getting these pressure situations, the Word of God comes out of our mouth and the devil's looking at you going, that looks like Jesus, it sounds like Jesus, that must be Jesus. Why? Because you have the armor on. He can't tell it to you. When have you ever looked at armor and, and known who was in there? See, patience keeps believing when you're tempted to doubt. So I want to share this with you. On January 11th, January 8th, 2011, uh, my mom experienced a massive heart attack. She had an artery uh, that was completely clogged, and she had a blood clot that had cut off. Uh, the blood flow, and I didn't know it at the time, but she was having congestive heart failure, and her lungs were filling with fluid, and anyway, my dad had called down to my house, because we lived three doors down to him, and he said, Phil, could you come down here? He said, your mom, she doesn't feel well, and she doesn't look good either. I said, okay, and so I, I ran out of the house. It was a cold uh, cold day in Louisville, Kentucky. It had snowed several days before, so there was leftover snow remnants, you know, around, and I got down to the sidewalk and I had just got my coat on and zipped up and I, and I was running because I could tell my dad never calls. And so you know when he calls something's going on and I ran down and as soon as I hit that sidewalk the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he said slow down and get a hold of yourself. Okay. So I walked. Well, I, don't, I didn't know time, I look back and I think, man, she was having congestive heart failure. Time is of the essence here, right? But I walked and I got in, I got to the house and, and, and 
dad opened the door. I walked in and mom was sitting across over on the couch and she was sitting kind of like this, kind of humped over with her eyes closed. But she was still talking. I said, mom, I said, what's going on? She says, I, I don't know. And she tried to open her eyes and she said, I, I can't see. I, I, I'm opening my eyes, but I can't see. I said, mom, are you having pain in your chest? And she said, yes. I said, is it, is it in your arms as well? She said, yes. And I, I laid my hand on her. And I'd been feeding on this verse that you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Thank God I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So I put my hand on mom and I said, I speak healing health and wholeness into my mom's body now in Jesus' name. That's all I said. The Holy Spirit said, get her to the hospital. So I picked mom up. Thank God she weighs 100 pounds. She's five foot soaking wet, you know. I pick her up and I, and I put her in the front seat of the car. We're on the way to the hospital. So now I'm in the back seat of the car. I'm behind mom in the passenger side in the back. Dad's driving, mom is in the front. And I've got my hands on her shoulders. And I said, mom, repeat after me. And she said, okay. Because now her lungs are filling with fluid. So she's having a hard time getting a breath. I said, Joel 3.10 says, and she says, Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. And she said, let the weak say, I am strong. And I had her quoting verses all the way to the hospital. And then I said, Mom, can we pray in the Holy Spirit? And she said, yeah. And she took off praying in the Holy Spirit. And I thought, dear God, we're going to turn this car around. I mean, she had her, because she was no longer this weak, frail voice. I mean, it was this, it was this strong voice. But I thought, no, no, we got to go to the hospital and check her out, make sure, you know, make sure the doctor verifies, you know. And so we got in there. And so, you know, it just so happened, thank you, God, that the, the, the heart doctor had just finished with another client. And they called him from emergency and they said, hey, we have a, we have a woman here that just came in and she's having a massive heart attack, congestive heart failure. And I knew it was serious because you know it's serious when every when every nurse from the whole emergency room leaves all their patients and they come to her, you know? And so you can tell. And so they got her upstairs. The doctor nearly lost her on the elevator coming upstairs. He did a couple of things, got her upstairs. And I mean, it's amazing the tools. I actually made a video about this. I'll send you guys a link one of these days, but because we interviewed the doctor and he showed us the procedure of how he took that artery you know, he took that um, blood clot out and he had, and he put a stent in and restored the blood flow to that, that branch of the artery. It was amazing. And so, so he restored the blood flow. Well, now, I mean, now we're no longer having a heart attack, but now the problem is, is that her blood pressure continues to drop. It's continuing to drop. It's going down, down, down. And so they get her into the, the critical care unit you know, and they get her into her room. And I've never seen one person plugged into so many machines. I mean, she's got everything on her. I mean, just poked in her and, and stuck to her. And I mean, just everything. And, and she's laying there and she's unconscious. And of course they have a ventilator tube, you know, and she's out. And so the doctor, my dad and I are in there. The doctor turns and he looks at me and my dad and he says, um, does your wife have a living will? Well, dad said, yes, she does. It's, it's on file at the doctor's office. And he said, well, I'm asking because her blood pressure is continuing to drop. I've done everything I know to do. I've given her every medication I can give her and I don't know how to stop her, stop the blood pressure from dropping. He said, 
eventually she's just going to flatline. Do you want me to resuscitate her? And I thought, well, this is pretty serious. And, and again, there's like six nurses standing around the wall because they're ready to jump at any moment. And they've seen this before. You know they have. And you're looking at everything. So here I am. Pharaoh on this side. Red Sea on this side. What are you going to do? So, so we, my dad and I, we go back to the waiting room, you know. And the doctor said, well, he said, I'm just letting you know. I'm going to try and resuscitate her. But she's, she's 100 pounds and she's 5 foot. We could cause more damage. He said, I'm just letting you know. You know, doctors always have to give compl- a disclaimer. So don't get mad at doctors for giving you disclaimers. They, they know what can happen. And so they're just letting you know. And so, so I get back to the waiting area and I begin to pace back and forth. And I begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. My dad's sitting over there about where Justin is. And I'm just praying, praying in the Holy Spirit. And I tur- walk this way, I walk this way, pray a little bit more. I turn around and I see my dad and he points at me and he says, Phil, you're not doing any good, go home. Well, I didn't have time to really cop an attitude over what my dad had said or really even think much about it. I did later. But when I looked at him, the Holy Spirit said, he's right. You've already prayed. Now you need to stand. Well, I've pl- I plopped down on the couch. All right. Show me how to stand. I said, God, show me how to stand. I don't know how to stand. And so I was sitting here, and I looked, I looked on the table in front of me, and the, I, there was a Gideon Bible. I brought it up from downstairs. We were downstairs in the first waiting area, sitting there while they were doing the procedure, and then they, they brought us up here. And so I grabbed that Bible, because I didn't know if they had one up here. And I looked at the Gideon Bible, and it dawned on me, start looking for promises. Start looking for promises. And we did. And I started flipping through. Man, I grabbed that Bible. I started going through. And, and then Nicole called. And she said, hey, God gave me a verse. And she gave me a verse. And I said, man, that's good. I said, write that down. We need to write these down. And then, and then I came to Psalm 37, verse 7. You know what it says? quote it to you, but I'm going to read it. That's not the right verse. Yeah, Lord. (laughs) Where's that verse? My heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. Anyway, I'll keep going. You know the verse I'm talking about, though. We flipped to it, and I found it, and I was like, my heart is steadfast, oh God. My heart is steadfast. Isn't that interesting that he said it twice? We need mom's heart rate to come up. So stand up with me. I'm going to finish the story. We're closing. So, So here's what happened. So... We found these verses, we're praying, 
or, or we're not praying. We're, we're, we've already prayed, but now we're looking, we're, now we're reminding ourselves of the promises. And this is important. You've got to put yourself in, me, in memory of the promises of God. If you don't have the promises of God, how do you know what to stand on? How do you know how to pray? Because you want to pray according to the will of God. You certainly don't want to pray against the will of God. Do you? Right? Because you, you want your prayers to get answered. And so we have these promises and, and, and we fall asleep. I fell asleep. Miracle was I only woke up once that night, which is that's just amazing. And so I was asleep and I wake up. And when I wake up the next morning, the sun's up and I'm awake. And, I, and a doctor didn't wake me up. A nurse didn't wake me up. I look over, there's my dad sitting in his chair asleep. And I thought, oh, she must still be alive. You know, everything must be okay. And so then the doctor came in and he said, Phil, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, last night, I, I could not get a heartbeat in her foot. And I thought, why are you taking it down there? I mean, don't you take that, you know, just me not knowing pulse. And, and he, said, he said, no. He said, what happens is whenever a person's experiencing that kind of problem, then all of their energy, your body's amazing. All of your energy leaves your extremities and it, go, it rushes to the area that needs it the most. And so it cuts off the extremities. And he said, what was important about that was, you, you know, it had cut off her foot. I couldn't find a heartbeat in the foot. He said, but this morning, your mom has a strong heartbeat in her foot. I swear, God, man, thank you, God. And then the next doctor came in. He, and of course, you know, the doctors, again, disclaimer, you know, the doctor goes, you know, it's, it's a little better. Okay, we're not, we're nowhere near out of the woods yet. You know, but I didn't care. I was looking for some kind of manifestation because sometimes all you need is just, man, and then, then the next doctor came in, Dr. Two. He was the cardiologist. He said, he said, he said, Phil, uh, just got, just came back from seeing your mother. He said, we're not out of the woods. He said, but I'm encouraged because her heart, her heartbeat is a lot stronger than it was. And I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And I think sometimes, see, because at that point, we were nowhere near to being out of the hospital. What I didn't know at that point was 16 days later, we were going to walk out of the hospital. 16 days. We walked out. Glory to God, man. And, and, but at that time, we were nowhere near that. But do you know what God showed me? Is this is how you stand, Phil. Every situation that came up that, that you know, was addressing, because we had new situations that came up each day Psalm 57 7 yeah I was wrong I was 37 it was thank you um, but so each time these problems came up we began we began to take the word of God and use scripture and stand on this scripture okay we're going to stand on this scripture okay mom's going through this now we found this scripture we're going to stand on this let me tell you how are you going to fight your battle It's the word of God. What do you stand on? The word of God. Remember the old song, standing on the word of God. That's what we're supposed to stand on. 
But if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know scripture, if you don't read your Bible, how can you stand on it? I mean, I think about it now in that trip to the hospital. If I had not been memorizing scripture and reading scripture, I wouldn't have known what I could give my mom on the way there to the hospital. Close your eyes all around the room. We're closing now. Thank you, God. God, we're just so grateful. We're so grateful that you've given us every promise. We're so grateful, Lord, that everything that you've said in your word, you said it for us. You paid the price so that we could live the kind of life that you intended us to live, God. A life of of blessing, a life of health and wholeness, a life of abundance. Lord, we thank you for that. But God, we, we haven't been standing right. We've been trying to get those promises on our own. We've been trying to deal with things and and fight naturally. God, we need to fight spiritual battles. We need to fight in the spirit realm. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.